Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? I'm Tara, and I am here today. I don't have Cassidy with me, but she will be back. But instead of Cassidy, I have a wonderful co-host who's pitch-hitting today. I have Dylan Sage from Holy Backboard joining me today on the What Podcast. D- Sage, welcome. I almost called you like by your like full name. Dylan Sage. I mean, it's cool. You can totally call me Dylan Sage. That's my real name. So (laughs) feel free to call me by my real actual name. I've listened to Holy Backboard for so long that I'm just like, and I'm Sage, chillin'. (laughs) You know, sometimes when you're lazy and can't think of anything else, what you're doing in that day, just saying you're chillin' kind of is part of the brand now. So Yeah, it's kind of your signature. (laughs) Did yeah. I do? Did I do a good imitation? Sage chilling. I, th- I, th- I think, of course, you did. <laughs> well, it is great to have you on. And uh, so, Cassidy and I usually get started with an icebreaker, and because we might be the only people on Earth who still love icebreakers. But yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, she she actually left us with a really great call to action at the end of the last podcast. Mm-hmm. She she said that we should all take the time to think about and share what favorite shared sports memories we have with people because you never know how long people are going to be around and you just you know if you if you have a chance to share something with somebody or about someone then you should take it so anyway i've been thinking about this all week mm-hmm. so i have a favorite shared sports memory and it could be with anybody like random person and it could be just like whatever the first thing is that pops into your head because i'm sure Mm -hmm. as a sports fan you've got many memories Mm -hmm. so would you like to share a favorite memory sports memory you shared with someone i actually have two um i was in the uh stands for the bad shot over paul george awesome and I remember, like, I had to pee at that time. But once he made that shot, all of a sudden, I didn't have to pee. I was just celebrating in the crowd with everybody. And I remember the people in front of me were annoying. And I was just like, oh, I hate these people directly in front of me. They're such douchebags. But as soon as that shot went in, I was like, what's up, bro? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, re- I just remember celebrating in the Moda Center for like 15 good minutes after the game. Like we witnessed something that it it was so special because I remember telling Dustin, who was emotional monster at that time, Seth is going to get a steal right here and it's going to be a backbreaker for the thunder. And he did. And as I knew once that happened, there was a huge change in momentum and, when Dame hit that shot, it was jubilation. And I, I think that's the second time I ever felt that in a, as a sports memory. I think the first one was I'm, I'm a diehard longtime Saints fan. And when they won the Super Bowl in 2009, that, that is how I felt from mm-hmm. that shot. It was, it was a very similar feeling, except, you know, with the Saints, that's, that's been my team. That's like, you know, I watched. And that was for everything. Yeah, that was for everything. So yeah, like, I think those two memories are the ones that stick out. And oh, I also got kicked out of a Buffalo Wild Wings when the Hornets at the time won the uh the uh draft lotto for Anthony Davis. I kept cursing really loud and jumping up and down when when uh, they were getting Anthony Davis. <laughs> so you were at the the first one. You were with Dustin, your yes. co-host for Holy Backboard. Yeah. Who were you with for the second one? Uh, that 
the New Orleans Saints one, it was by me by myself in my dorm room at Portland State University. So like people that knew me came to the, to my dorm to like, your team has sucked for 20 years. This is your one championship. I hope you enjoy it type of celebration. So I, like, I remember hugging people. I don't know their names. I was just so happy. And then it was the Blazers lottery party for, at Buffalo Wild Wings. So I was the one person wearing a David West Hornets jersey. And there was all of these Blazer fans hoping to God that the Nets would have a, would, would give us the pick. But yeah, once, once that, once the, uh, we, the Hornets were the lotto ball winner, I, I, I got kicked out of that place so fast because I, I think that the Blazers were trying to record, like, cause they did get Damian Lillard, but all they heard in the background was just me cursing, just being so happy. So I got escorted out. <laughs> And so you weren't with anybody. You're I just... was with so many Blazers fans. <laughs> and they never spoke to you the... this, to this day again, right? <laughs> I'm a very charming person. Of course they talked to me. But it like, I did a radio show about the Portland Trailblazers as a diehard Hornets fan. So that, like, I, the people that I did the show with, um, it was called Blazers University with Peter Sampson. He was mm-hmm. there listening to me go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, Peter's over Blazer's Edge. And is he, he's one of the radio stations now too. Yeah. Yeah. I have worked in the radio industry longer than he has. Fun oh, fact. yeah. Okay. I was well, the first one at the, I was the first one at the radio station. Yeah. At KPSU your, Portland's College Radio. Was that your, that was your first radio gig or did you have one any before that? Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. my first ever. I was, uh, 18. And Peter was a grown man when we were like learning how to do the stuff at the same time. But I think I started in August and I beat him by a couple months in, in radio. <laughs> we have a great radio voice, a voice made for radio. Yeah. Very nice. Thank you. Okay. So my favorite, the memory that I've been thinking about, I think because I'm getting a little bit nostalgic for, um, when we used to be able to gather, um, mm. I mean, I'm not really, I don't go out very much, even when we're allowed to. It's just, you know, I'm a pretty much of a homebody. But I have been for the last like three years hosting monthly meetups for, uh, women's hoops and talks, which you've been to. We, you've come to our blazer watch mm-hmm. parties. Um, mm-hmm. were you there for the quadruple overtime game against Denver? Cause no, no, I don't, I don't think that. I don't think I was, I could be appropriate at the quad, the, the quadruple overtime game. So I, th- I think I was at my house just nervously watching the game. This is probably a good time to let you know that we are marked as not explicit. So, you know, you've talked about cursing a few times. So this is just a friendly reminder there. I remember how to, cur- how to talk without cursing on radio. I did. I've tried it for a while. I kind of remember how to do it. Um, anyway, we had a meetup on that night and, uh, it was of course really fun and, you know, it helped a lot that they won. And I just remember feeling so bad for the server because we kept promising that we were almost done and <laughs> that he was going to be able to come <laughs> home. And he kept going, it's okay. We'll be like, it's almost over. And he's like, it's fine. And then we'd be like, sorry, there's another overtime. But by the time it was, um, you know, by the time it was over, he was in there watching it with us. He was sucked in and it was That's fun. Awesome. I, I always love those games that are so compelling that like people come 
like from everywhere to gather around and watch it. Like I watched the Brandon Roy comeback game at the um, mm-hmm. Tracktown Pizza in Eugene. Um, and like the whole restaurant, including all the cooks and servers and everybody were all gathered in the room by the time it was over. I remember that game because I had to talk Dustin out of, he wanted to record after he got home from that. And I was like, dog, it's 1am. Do you really want to podcast at 1am and make me have to edit till 4am to get it out (laughs) the same day? Can't we wait a day, please? So you got him to sleep on it? Yeah, I got him to sleep on it, which was probably one of my biggest wins of that offseason was just one day of, you know, you know the grind of playoff podcasting. Mm-hmm. And I had it in my mind that I would have it out the same day every time. Mm-hmm. And ooh, I did not want to stay up till 4 a.m. that day. Yeah, this this year is going to be intense. I mean, just with the the speed of how quickly everything is going mm-hmm. and like how fast the offseason just was. And like suddenly like we're having players and coach availability and we're in training camp and then suddenly the games are going to start. It's yeah, it's going to be uh, quick. Yeah. Free agency, draft, and trades happened in six days, and it usually is three weeks. Like, it's been rough to be a content creator in this time where everything's just so expedited. Right, and it's like, it's the, you know, there you have this incredible drought where there's just nothing going on because mm-hmm. nobody knows what's happening. And then it's not just that there's lots happening. It's like there's so much interesting stuff happening. <laughs> Yeah, I, I Dustin and I wrote a 6,000-word blog post about the draft that was meaningless as soon as we <laughs> traded for Robert Covington. <laughs> meaningless. Well, let's go ahead and trans- transition, start talking about this year, because I have to tell you, I have not been this excited for quite a while. Like, I mm. tend to be kind of – I'm – Always po- positive, but not always optimistic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I look at them slightly differently. So I'm always like, I know I'm going to have a great time watching the team, mm-hmm. but I tend to not be, I tend to like go for like the worst case scenario and like low ball everybody. But I'm mm-hmm. so excited, which is why I'm really glad you're here because I'm hoping that you can help me set realistic expectations because <laughs> I have expectations through the roof right now. What What are your expectations for this team? Well, okay, through the roof is maybe a little bit um, dramatic, but I think they can make the third or maybe second in the West. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> um, It's just that, like, everything that they did in the offseason was so reasonable mm-hmm. and, like, builds on continuity and – like even answers things that like fans have been asking for. And then they're like, Oh, here, like even like down to like the people, like people asking for Robert Covington (laughs) and here he is. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it was, it's been a very well thought out off season. And you look at some teams that haven't thought that their roster strategies out, like draft or spending your money on three centers. Mm-hmm. The Blazers, it's been well thought out. We suck at off uh, at uh, defense. defense and rotations defensively. Let's bring Robert Covington, DJJ, and have Gary Trent defend the best uh, perimeter player when he's in. There was a lot of well thought out things like using the TPE on Cantor. It 
it worked out perfectly. We got a sweetener by giving up uh, Rio. And, uh, yeah, it's been a well-thought-out offseason, and, of course, it should get you excited. When you put a confident team around Damon CJ, some beautiful, really skillful things have happened to, for us. Well, and I think I've been thinking a lot about individual players because, you know, mm-hmm. we have some new individual players and uh, or we have some returning guys. And I kind of want to like I keep thinking that, you know, Rodney Hood is going to come back and is going to like be in the exact same form that he was when he went down. And I know mm-hmm. logically that's really hard to expect as somebody who's coming off of an Achilles. Yeah, so- uh- I would imagine that he'd have a minutes restriction from day one. He can't play more than this allotted amount of minutes. Mm-hmm. So, like, for him, what what do you think, like, like when do you feel like it would be a good sign that he's worked into the rotation, you know, that he's getting the minutes, and then what would you expect, like, his, um, like his output to be? Like, his scoring has been, um, you know, pretty consistent throughout mm-hmm. the years, you know, right around like, you know, 10, 11, 12 points or whatever. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on your best guess on what his return to form might look like? I mean, I think it's going to be in a restricted uh, type of role just because you don't want to overdo it with someone recovering from an injury. That's why I kind of am less excited about Zach Collins as well, just because we got to tone it down on the injuries. We're really strong and cohesive now but if those injuries happen to build up again then we're at the same place so I think it's going to be a very slow build for Rodney Hood and when you know that he is at a place where he feels good about himself it's when it's consistent minutes throughout throughout like a certain amount of games Mm -hmm. I just don't want to see any re-injuries to Rodney he's he's gone through hell I don't want to. I don't want to build them up just to break them down again. I think patience with Rodney Hood, patience with guys recovering from major injuries, is the key for for us. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Rodney Hood? So i i want I wonder if the way that he plays, like how effective or how how much the injury will affect like his three point shooting. Because mm-hmm. when he went down, he was shooting almost fifty percent, which is like you know. Mm-hmm. That would have probably been very hard to maintain over oh, yeah, the course of the season. A, it would have um, been hell to try. I mean, Aaron Neesmith shot 50% from the field, and I shooting that perfect is really difficult. Yeah. So I think there would have been some regression to the mean a little bit for bo- both of their shooting. Right. Well, and the the when he the season before, which I think had been somewhat injury shortened as well. Um, he shot like 34 and a half percent. So I'm thinking I would like to be able to see him, you know, come back in the high thirties, mm-hmm. um, you know, get rebounds. He, he was, he was getting like 3.4 and maybe his rebounds might be affected more, or maybe he doesn't need to get so many rebounds based on who, who's he going to be playing alongside. What do you think about that? I, th- I think personnel is definitely going to affect who, who's responsible for getting rebounds last year it just seemed to be Hassan trying to jump against everybody. Now that we got Ennis and Nurk playing and Robert Covington can get rebounds as well. I think that one of the main things for us defensively is get the rebound and end the possession for the opposing team and start our offense. So I think the rebounds getting rebounding is going to be 
a very uh key thing for us. So maybe Rodney, instead of boxing out, runs to his spot at the three-point line and gets ready for the outlet pass and shoots. Mm-hmm. So it, it really depends on who he's with. You know, we don't know how many minutes he's going to play, how many games he's going to play. So it, it's just about seeing a consistent Rodney Hood for me. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about another ring. Let's talk about Derek Jones Jr. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to look, I'm going to call up his stats while maybe you tell me what your like initial thoughts were about him being added uh, to the, to the roster. Well, I keep remembering myself complaining about our team defense and Derek Jones Jr. is a really great team defender. So our offense was top in the league. We can deal with a guy that's not the greatest shooter in the world, but is a great communicator and a great team defender. I think that Derek Jones Jr., in my opinion, was a pretty fine signing. I know, I know a lot of people wanted the other heat small forward, but Derek Jones was willing to dance with us. So. I think that I'm giving him all the chances in the world to succeed because I, I definitely think having a guy that's that athletic that and can play defense and is that willing a defender is a very valuable key contributor to a team. Mm-hmm. So I, I was all about it. I, I had to try and talk to, uh, Dustin off the off the the rooftops on that one, but for me, I'm I'm excited. We haven't had that many athletic wings that can just intercept the ball drive it down and slam it home. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm totally excited to see someone like Derek Jones Jr. on this team. I talked to a couple of fans from the Miami area about what they liked about Derek Jones Jr. Mm-hmm. And one of them talked about how he just, he covers a ton of ground. Like he's always mm-hmm. moving. He has tons of energy. And I was like, is it the kind of energy where it's like he's just running all over the place to look like he's busy or <laughs> or what? And they and you know they just talked about like the way that he scores is by moving into opportunities to score mm-hmm. as opposed to like guys like, you know, Gary or guys who go and sit in the corner and wait for their, you know, shots or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um does that seem like that is like what yeah. you see him doing? Yeah, that's what, exactly what I see. Like he isn't the best shooter, but I, I read an article where he's like, I know I'm not a good shooter. That's why I move and try and get into places where they're not expecting me to be so they don't sag off. And if they do sag off, I know he's good in the pick and roll where he's just an off-ball mover and gets into a place where Dame can fit a pass into him and get some easy buckets. We just we have a difficult time getting easy buckets, so DJJ is a perfect easy bucket getter. So who do you think is going to throw him the lobs? Because Damon is just has maybe that's the thing he's going to add this year. I don't know. You know, it's tough to it's tough to find anybody being able to add something to their game since it's only been like two months since this their season was over. Maybe CJ. I think Mello can throw some lobs. I know Nurk is ready and willing to throw that pass to the cutting man on the on the uh, the corner. I, he loves trying to fit that pass in. So maybe it's not an oop, but maybe it's a solid bounce pass that's right in his bread basket where he can just easily dunk it. Yeah, yeah. I want I want them to feed him, and mm-hmm. I would like to see him um, well fattened up on the diet of lots and lots of dunks. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I hear a lot of people. A lot of people will say, "You know, I really like defense." Well. You know, like it's like some dramatic statement or something, but I get it or whatever. But I personally, I love offense. 
<laughs> and I love an alley-oop. And it's just like it's been hard to be a Blazer fan <laughs> when we just don't have the lob throwers. Yeah. I mean, Dame's a talented dude. I bet he can throw lobs. It's just last year was crazy. And I guess there's so many other scenarios to what Dame was doing. Maybe, maybe for whatever reason, Terry said, don't throw lobs, throw bounce passes. I don't know. Like, yeah. Personnel, you know, I mean, limited personnel. You can't risk Hassan Whiteside with a lob when he's the only guy over six, nine on your team. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, it's gotta be limited, you know, That's like true. when Anthony Tolliver is your backup five and four, <laughs> it's kind of like, you gotta, you gotta be a little more restrictive on some of those high variant plays. Mm-hmm. Anybody who listens to me on any podcast at all will know that my very favorite play of the bubble was, uh, it was against the Clippers and Gary and no, Wenyon and Paul mm-hmm. George were fighting, mm-hmm. knocked it out of his hands, go to the floor. Gary Trent comes running full speed down the court, grabs the ball, jumps over, mm-hmm. jumps over Paul George. I don't think we talk about that enough. Jumps over Paul George and then lobs it to Anthony who finishes. That was like, I was like, the whole thing can end right now. We could all just, they could just all go home because that was the perfect play. So with all of the transactions that have happened, what do you think the role is for your beloved Gary Trent? I am so excited about our the potential of the second unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I see him I, – like I think Jones is probably going to be, at least while Rodney is being worked in, maybe he'll be playing more with the first unit. Mm-hmm. But the idea of Ant and Gary and Jones running and like Cantor and Mello just like holding everything down <laughs> – I I think that there's going to be plenty of opportunity for Gary. Like you were just talking about his individual defensive mm-hmm. skills will be such a good compliment to, you know, the guys who are better team players. Yeah. I don't see this is how exci- I'm just I I'm Do afraid think- I'm going to get too excited. <laughs> it's it's chill to get too excited when you know, there's some things to get excited for. You know, you didn't have you had to pretend to be excited for last year's team. Oh boy! Now it's genuinely exciting to be a Blazers fan. Mm-hmm. Do you think Gary Trent finishes games? Because starting is one thing, but finishing is mm-hmm. where it's way more important. Do you think Gary Trent and his skill set is more designed to be part of that finishing five? I think he very well could, but I don't. You know, I think. As I recall from the Blazers, they didn't have a regular finishing lineup. It's so much dependent on what was going on in the game. And who was available to play. Yeah. (laughs) And who wasn't injured. Yeah. (laughs) True. I mean, having a guy that can lock up that number one creator is really important in the last five minutes of a game and someone who can just shoot. And Mm -hmm. I know, like, DJJ can do a lot of things really well. But can he take advantage of an open shot with the last five minutes in in the game? I don't know, but I sure as heck have seen uh, Gary Trent hit some really clutch three-pointers for us. Mm -hmm. And I think that even though, you know, 
I, it was a gentleman's sweep. I think playing against the Lakers in the playoffs was the best thing to happen to a guy like Gary Trent. He got so hyped about guarding LeBron James. I know. Couldn't you see him do that to other people's star ball handler? Like, put him against somewhere, put him against Lonzo Ball in the last five minutes and he's going to make his life living hell. Yeah. He's going to drive guys nuts. He's going to be in their shorts and they're just going to be like, oh my God, get this guy off me. So do you think he's the, the, a finishing five member along with Damon CJ? I mean, I think he could be. Um, but you know, if it's a team that really needs, you know, team defense at the end, maybe not. Mm. Um, but if it's a team that has a superstar that really needs somebody just like driving them batty. Put him on Luca, see what happens. I'd rather I'd rather bet on Gary Trent Jr. than anybody else to make Luca's life hell. Mm-hmm. Like it, it Yeah. Gary Trent's the type of dude that can get Luca in frustrated. He's athletic, he can beat him to the spot. I mean, all Luca's game is really he's bigger than you and will change speeds on you. Gary Trent's really good at anticipating where you're going and beating you to that spot. What, I mean, and he got sweet little Donovan Mitchell got up in Donovan Mitchell's head. <laughs> that was <Yeah>. so great. <laughs> we we need jerks. Gary Trent Jr. on the court is a jerk. Is he a jerk or is he just like so doesn't have any respect for anybody else on the court that he's just like, no, I'm not even giving you any. I mean, obviously he does, but you know what I mean. I mean, it, I, I think that he has this self-confidence in him mm-hmm. where it doesn't really matter. He's just going to – he's going to work – outwork you. Mm-hmm. I mean, throughout that bubble, it was high-risk ball the entire time, and he really wasn't scared of anybody. And mm-hmm. Blazer played a really tough schedule. So the fact that he wasn't afraid of anybody, it shows that he's part of this core. So mm-hmm. I would throw him out there. Yeah. Like – you need to you need a very balanced lineup to compete in this team and Gary Trent is very versatile of a basketball player so throw him out there in clutch situations we need to develop him for the future so Mello was out there a lot at the end when we needed a bu- when they needed a bucket mm-hmm. absolutely on some catch and shoot like when he was in that situation he was draining some threes and some very clutch three pointers mm-hmm so I don't know if you listened today. Uh, today is what is today? Tuesday. Uh, hmm. Stotts had his media availability and they asked him about Mello and if, if Mello was prepared to come off the bench. And he said that they had talked about it. So what are your thoughts, I guess, on just Mello in general, re-signing with Portland, you know, his, uh, you know, what the year might look like for him? I think that shows loyalty to a team that took a chance on him when everyone else kind of just didn't think he had it in him and he played some big minutes and at the power forward position behind Robert Covington, Zach Collins and Harry Giles have had some major injuries. So there's a very good chance that he plays big minutes for you because our two very talented power forwards got hurt somehow. So right now the, it kind of looks difficult for him to get big minutes, but is it's a very likely scenario where he is our backup four because he's the healthy one. Mm-hmm. What do you think are realistic expectations for him in terms of like you know production? I don't. It's I think he's going to be a 
a release valve for Anthony Simons on the uh, on the second unit because Anthony right now I think teams are going to blitz him to just see what happens if they start to blitz him give it to Mello and let him run the offense he's seen everything this game has to throw at him so he's going to be a very nice second unit player and if he gets called on to start I think he'll do a really good job um we need some vets that aren't Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum just some guys that have been there and can show what a very young roster this is how you act in a professional setting and you know everyone respects him he's a hall of famer so Mm-hmm. They're going to take what he has, has to say to heart. So I really value him. I kind of love the idea of a mellow for six man of the year campaign. <laughs> Not Gary Trent though. <laughs> Next year, maybe. Well, Gary, will, you know, we'll, we'll get, we'll get some accolades. Will Gary, Gary get, start like, too much improved. to get six? <laughs> Gary will start too much to get sixth man. What am I saying? Maybe he can get most improved. Maybe they can just sweep the awards. Damien <laughs> can get MVP. Gary can get most improved. Mello can get um uh sixth man of the year. Covington can get uh defensive player of the year. I like it. You know, just clean sweep. Yeah, very realistic uh <laughs> Very realistic. I like it. I, You're I like supposed the... to be keeping me grounded, Sage. <laughs> I think they're going to do a very good job and be a contender in the league. I don't know if we'll win every award like the 2001 76ers will, did, but uh, I think we're going to be a really competitive, good team. So I don't, I don't need to try and uh, restrict you from your optimism. It, it, it is what it is. I think we're going to be a top three team in the west actually i said top two on the holy backboard so we're gonna be a top two team in the west so the other thing about this to to you know follow up on that is usually i feel like everybody in the west got better Mm -hmm. and i i feel like the west is obviously still very strong and the strongest conference but i think some of the teams that i used to always thought got better in my opinion don't appear to have gotten better as much. Like, I don't feel like Denver got better. I probably just like jinxed our whole entire year by saying that. Um, but like, usually I'll be looking at like Denver and Utah and be like, Oh God, how did they get so much better? And I don't mm-hmm. feel like, I they... think we're the ones that got better and they, they either are staying the same or got worse. Yeah. I mean, they have like the blazers. They have a lot of continuity, mm-hmm. both going for their teams. So I don't know. What? How do you think they shape up against the other wet teams of the West? I mean, I, I think that losing Jeremy Grant and Mace is a really big loss for them. And I know they're hyped for Derek Favors, but I watched Derek Favors 82 games a year last year. Or not yeah. 82, you cert, but he never looked right. So for him to get that three-year contract and a player option for the third, I mean, I know you love Derek Favors, Utah, but he might not be the same dude and it, it might not be the same NBA. So I, I think that those teams that we worry about kind of got worse. The Lakers probably got better, but Clippers right. <laughs> are dealing with all of the ego and the pressure of trying to succeed this one year. Denver lost Jeremy and Mace and they have less depth. So Joker has to play more. Utah has all of this continuity issues with 
people not liking to play with one another. So mm -hmm. I, I, I kind of feel like Blazers are in a really good place to succeed. Mm -hmm. Well, there were some other t teams that did seem to get better. Uh, like the Phoenix Suns, the Suns, uh, Dallas, I think just is good. Will have just uh, improved if. I don't know. I feel like Dallas is one of those teams that could go either way because so much depends on the health of Kristaps Porzingis. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a lot that Luka can do, but he can't do all of it. Yeah, he can't play power forward for their team. No. But it, you kind of have to push in all your chips when you see that other teams are down. Mm -hmm. There's a distinct advantage for the Blazers, so let's have a really good offseason and have all of this good vibes towards the team and get ready for these guys to compete for something special. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's going to be, Oh, Oh, I just don't even know what to do with myself. You were supposed to just calm me down and like, help me be grounded, but I truly believe we're <laughs> a contender. So there's not much I could do to destroy your optimism. It's like, yeah, I believe a lot of what you're saying. Maybe not the, 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 the sweep of all the awards, but mm -hmm. we're, we're going to be good. So what were your what was your reaction when you heard about Ennis Cantor returning? It kind of just made sense though. Like Boston wants to save some money. Ennis wasn't really part of the rotation. He has some issues defensively. They have Grant Williams and uh Daniel Thice and now uh Tristan Thompson. They have a lot of bigs. So to save five mil, it just kind of made sense that we would have a reunion with him. Mm -hmm. I mean, now we kind of have the Bash Bros of the West just with Ennis and Nurk ready to destroy any opposing bigs. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, where do you think all of this leaves Zach Collins? Well, you know, when Woj talked about – when Woj treated about the, the Blazers and their young core, it kind of seemed like Zach wasn't a part of it. So, yeah, that was, uh, shocking <laughs> in my, my opinion, because like, it felt like that tweet was maybe co-written by yeah, interested you know parties. Had, <laughs> Neil definitely had, he might not have wrote it, but he definitely had, he contributed to that tweet. Mm -hmm. So when your boss says you're not really part of the future, how are you supposed to feel? Now I see them involving Zach, like when he's ready, he'll be mm -hmm. part of the rotation. But then that leads to a question. When is he going to be ready? Because stress fractures are scary. The way he hurt himself is scary. So you don't want to rush him back and risk getting him having another stress reaction or even a stress fracture. That, that stuff. I think that an assistant coach of somewhere is going to have to have like a stopwatch for each of those guys recovering from injury mm -hmm. and pulling them out at the exact time. Cause you don't want to risk aggravating yourself again, especially a stress fracture. Cause that, that stuff can take your year away like that. Oh, I feel so bad for him. Like it's, it's weird that, you know, a player who's been with, with the Blazers since he got drafted mm -hmm. in his third year is one of the people that's the biggest question mark in terms of like what we know about them. Cause that was mm -hmm. the other thing about some of the new players that came on. It's like, they're already, they're known quantities because often, you know, Olshay will go out and find somebody who's been kind of like buried or like just, you know, hasn't really had a chance to show like what they really could do. Mm -hmm. You know, Harry Giles, 
Derek Jones Jr. maybe didn't get a lot of minutes, but like we know what they did with the minutes they got. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Zach unfortunately got hurt. So it's like, yeah. when was the last time he was healthy? Really? Two years ago? That, it's kind of a, what have you done for me lately league? And mm-hmm. he hasn't really done a lot because he's been hurt. Yeah, it's a real bummer for him. Mm-hmm. I I was uh it's funny because I had a feeling this offseason that the Blazers were going to bring back someone that they had drafted and I thought it was going to be Rondé Hollis Jefferson. I don't know why, but I was just like they're going to bring back somebody that they originally drafted and traded mm-hmm. on draft night. So, I got that part right, but I didn't mm-hmm. get the person right. <laughs> so, I am also very excited about Harry Giles. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Harry Giles? I think he's really skilled. He just – him being hurt so much kind of hurt how fast he reacts to things, in my opinion. When I watched the Kings, unfortunately, I watched them a lot because I'm a daily fantasy nerd who really needs to see what the Sacramento Kings did <laughs> late night hammer style. So I, I watched some Harry Giles and I was like, okay, this guy's talented. He just has a little bit too much hesitation on some of his plays because he hasn't played enough and he's very aggressive defensively. Sometimes it leads to him getting into foul trouble and him getting less minutes because of it. Mm-hmm. I think he's really skilled and he's very moldable, but I hope he can stay healthy because that was the biggest thing with him is his health. And he has some really fun passes. So maybe mm. he'll be our lob guy in the second unit. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, he, he can do some of the Nurk stuff because you know, Terry's system loves a passing big. Yeah. So you have two passing bigs in this, on this team. So the thing, I think that he's a fun guy. Yeah. The, I was looking at him and Zach Collins because I was again trying to figure out how Zach Collins was going to fit in and the big thing is is that Harry Giles I don't think takes three pointers mm-hmm. and so, Zach was Ennis a decent three point shooter Yeah, so Ennis and he can't be on the floor together so there kind of has to be you know a lot of people thought that Ennis was the backup center but if it's a guy that can run really well wouldn't you want Harry to be the backup center with Melo on the court yeah, I see. Because you can't put Ennis and uh, Harry because you're gonna—they're gonna be fighting over who's in the paint. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. that Harry Giles has the potential of being a very uh, nice rotation player on this team, especially against teams with guys that can move really well. Mm-hmm. And he's that—he's that part of that young, young like the younger generation coming mm-hmm. up. You know, he's right around the same age as all those guys, and so mm-hmm. same draft as some of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as as Zach. Now we have them both. Uh, yeah. Okay. Ready to switch topics? Of course, sure. Let's okay. Get it. The the other thing that I wanted to get your thoughts on, because you know so much more about what's going on the rest of the league than I do. Um, there's been a ton of coaching changes, mm-hmm. and the thing that struck me about all the bunch of the coaching seasons in the off season is now they have like coaching super teams. Like mm-hmm. now you can't just have like a head coach. You have to have a former head coach sitting beside you. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the coaching situation these Co- days? Coaching is tough. It, um, if, if you're an offensive guy, you should probably have a defensive head coach to help coach the team. And I think that we're seeing a lot of, uh, assistant coaches come 
onto coaching staffs that are younger that have played the game because most of these coaches are 60 year old white dudes. How can they, I, they can't really identify with their players. So having a guy that has gone through the same things that they're currently going through and can relate to you and communicate to you and inspire and be someone to talk to and like a safe space is really important. That's why I think Evan Turner is a really good assistant coach for the Celtics. So yeah, like Stan Van Gundy brought in Corey, uh, Corey, uh, Corey Joseph. No, no, no. Brewer. Brewer, Corey, I was about to say Corey Booker. That's why I didn't want, I didn't want to say it wrong. Corey Brewer. To relate to you and Baino Udra to relate to these players like, we're, we have been in where you're at and can show you the way and relate to you and talk to you. Like, Terry does a really good job of relating to players, but at the end of the day, he still is a 60 year old white guy who has six year old white guy, you know points of views so having a guy that can communicate well with them like a Gennaro Pargo or Evan Turner is really it's really huge for for these for these players Mm -hmm. so I'm always I'm always a fan of when you can connect with your players and I mean connect with anybody in any job you need to be able to communicate so having a guy that like like Evan is huge yeah but some of the teams like we have like on the Clippers Ty Lue got Kenny Atkinson, who like Huge. just yeah. left. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kenny and Ke- I liked Kenny a few years ago. I remember saying on the way backward, Kenny Atkinson is going to be a really good coach. So yeah, I think the Clippers have a really good staff of player uh, of coaches that can help direct this team. Because hell, they ha- they have a lot of pressure coming at them. They so. got to have somebody that has a personality on that mm-hmm. team. That's what Ty Lue's job is, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and the X's and O's, of course. I mean, they're fine on all of that. They mm-hmm. just, they just need somebody to lead them mm-hmm. to the next level. Yep. They need somebody to step up and lead them to the next level. They got all the, everything else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I just think it was funny that, um, we have all these like super coaching teams. Like, you know, with the Nets, we've got Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni and mm-hmm. Amari Stoudemire and Ime Udoka, like you were saying. <laughs> so, well, I I remember when the Warriors had Steve Kerr and uh Uncle Alvin Gentry running the offense, and then they had Ron Adams running the defense. Mm-hmm. Now it's just people are starting to know who these assistant coaches are because everybody wants more information about the teams that they root for. So they start to know who the lead assistant is and, you know, like, oh, is – it, 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 is Darren Ehrman going to go to the Celtics and help them with their defense? Like people are starting to really know who the assistant coaches are. Yeah. So it, it's a, it's a real, it's a real good look for us fans to realize, okay, these, these teams are putting together a really, really good cohesive coaching staff. Which staff, uh, coaching staffs do you think are going to like have, you know, the biggest impact? I think the Celtics, cause I'm a huge fan of Ehrman's defense. So to have them go from a Ron Adams style defense to a Darren Ehrman defense and then have Evan Turner, I think that they're going to have a really nice, uh, cohesive staff. So can the you tell me a little bit more about like what those types of defense are? Well, Darren Ehrman coached the Pelicans against the Blazers in, uh, the, their playoff series. I don't so. know what you're talking about. That series never happened. <laughs> we saw it together. Cheryl. No, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> the, the, the few times that you and I both go out <laughs> during the year, we saw some games together in the, <laughs> 
But yeah, yeah so neither of us brought that up as our favorite shared memory. <laughs> like I certainly didn't. So, uh, to see how mad Dustin was at that series made me happy. But I get I get where you're going from. But yeah, Darren Ehrman is a highly regarded coach uh in NBA circles. Did create the defense that stopped the Blazers that year and uh he wanted to uh be a head coach, so he went to the G League and to the Boston um the Boston G League and now got called up and it's probably going to be the associate head coach of the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And then the Clippers, you, you, we mentioned how good they were. Like that team, that coaching staff's going to be legitimately fantastic. Yeah. Well, I hope, hope it doesn't seem good, but not that much good because the Blazers are going to finish well, ahead of them. That they're they're going to so be great. the third seed and we'll be the right. second. Well, I mean, uh, Oh, are you th- saying we'll be the first? No, 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 no. I'm just saying that Damian Lillard has some unfinished business with the Clippers still. Mm. They might think that the business is finished, but we all know it's not. It's going to take a full regular season. <laughs> so did you see the um, the Christmas Day schedule? What did you think about not seeing the Blazers on the Christmas Day schedule? I did not see that. Uh, but so you're saying the Blazers don't look like they're playing on Christmas Day? I will pull up the tweet right now. I saw it pass right before I logged in, and I was like, I'm going to look at that later. So, yeah, if you have it. So the Pelicans versus the Heat at 12 p.m., so I have to get her up early on Christmas. Warriors versus Bucks at 2.30. Nets versus Celtics at 5, Mavericks versus Lakers at 8, and Clippers at Nuggets at 10.30. Well, I'm happy for the Blazers to have Christmas off, if that's That good. is the first thought I had as well. These, <laughs> these teams work really hard. Like, I, Dustin told me how hard they have to work on a, on a holiday game. So the first thing I thought was, well, I don't have to really remember anything that happened. This, this rules. <laughs> Yeah. You know, if the Blazers played, you, we would have to remember the play that happened on the second quarter, five minutes in. Like, we would have to actually study the game to talk about it. And now I can just chill and watch basketball for ten hours on Christmas. So I was, I was psyched. I yeah, because something that I love about like a day of just watching basketball all day long. One thing I love about it is when I don't care about any of the games. Mm-hmm. It is so fun to watch a game you don't care about. Mm-hmm. And I don't do that enough. I need to do that more. <laughs> yeah. So this one I can just chill and watch and enjoy. I don't need to, I don't need to study it. There's, you know, there's a difference between watching the game for fun and watching it to talk about what happened. Yes. So I was, I was psyched. Yeah. And I always watch it and I'll be like, huh, other teams miss. Like, <laughs> I never Other think teams that. missed in the third quarter? What is this madness? I thought I, this was a monopoly on missing in the third. I thought only the Blazers messed up in the third quarter. I thought only, like, Damian Lillard, like, missed a shot. Like, you know, it's like, oh, my God, LeBron misses sometimes? Well, that's refreshing. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited. I want to know the schedule so bad just so I can, you know, look at, you know, it's always fun to, we'll win this, we'll lose this, we'll win this. Just predict mm-hmm. the schedule like that. That's always a fun little exercise to play. Well, and if they're not, if the Blazers aren't playing on Christmas, I wonder if they're playing on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, And then if they're playing every other day, I wonder if they're playing on the first day. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to find out. Um, There's been, you, you brought up Evan Turner as mm-hmm. uh, a former Blazer who has a new job uh, for people who didn't catch it. He has been hired to be an associate or no, an assistant coach for the Celtics as player development, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Um, and we also talked earlier about Mason Plumley leaving the uh, the Detroit Pistons. I saw no, a lot of left, people. He or, left sorry, Denver to go to Detroit. Yes, leaving for for uh, Detroit. Uh, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter, not Portland people, like um, or Denver people, like kind of. Um, vociferous about uh how much money that uh that mason Plumley was making and i don't tend to like want to comment too much on making but i think people were underestimating like all the little things that mason does mm-hmm. passes really well he's gonna be a good locker room guy look how young that team is like yeah i love killian hayes i think he's the number one guy this in this draft class okay but he needed some vets because yeah. it was a lot of young, unproven guys in that locker room. Yeah, and Mason Plumley backwards dunk is always good to get the mm-hmm. um, get the team energized. Uh, let's see, what are some of the other uh, former Blazers doing? Well, Wesley, mm-hmm. I, I he, he he's looking for a job. I can't if they're willing to give him a job. I can't be a hater. He's he's trying to he's trying to play a few more years of basketball. I wish it was for a different team, but beggars can't be choosers. And I, I support Wes in his goal for gainfully employed basketball player. Mm-hmm. And for anybody, if in case you missed it, he is going to be playing for the Lakers. Deep mm-hmm. breath. Um, I mean, honestly, like I don't dislike the Lakers as much as I probably should if I'm somebody who has a Blazers podcast. But I just I can't get that. Uh, I mean, they're just such a storied franchise. Mm-hmm. They're just so important to the history of basketball that I just I can't just like you know dislike them that much. And they're really good, mm-hmm. and it's a really good chance that they'll win again. Um, and I would love for Wesley Matthews to retire someday with a championship. I would mm-hmm. love Damian more than anything. I would love Damian Lillard to retire with a championship, but. You know, um, I want good things for Wesley Matthews, mm-hmm. just not against the Blazers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. I, I think that doing a 215 podcast with a guy like Dustin makes you makes you hate the Lakers. But <laughs> when you're like me that um, plays daily fantasy every single day, 150 lineups. I can't restrict myself from not playing the Lakers, so I have to watch them. And I root for Anthony Davis to score a lot, and I root for LeBron James to score a lot when they're on my lineup. So <laughs> I, I think that me playing this, I, I, just, I don't hate any – well, I hate one NBA basketball player, and that's it. I like everyone else. Yeah. I, and I even play Eric Gordon in Daily Fantasy because he shoots well. That's the guy so, you don't like. Yeah. So, I don't know, like, I'll throw up a front like I hate the Lakers, but <laughs> they're they're just trying to play basketball, and I appreciate their skillfulness in playing it, so I'll watch, mm-hmm. even though I'll, I'll pretend and say, I hate the Lakers. I don't really. <laughs> well, I, I, I prefer to, if I'm going to focus my ire on someone, I prefer to focus it on somebody that's kind of like more like our own size, you know, so, or, you know, like, like Utah 
Like, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of Utah and Denver. Like, oh my, <laughs> of course we're playing Denver twice in the preseason because we always play Denver 500 times every year. There's mm-hmm. 82 games in the season and we played Denver 91 of them mm-hmm. every single year. Yep. <laughs> Or Utah, or like these these teams that like get all this press just because somebody decides it's going to be their year. Like every mm-hmm. year, like the Utah Jazz is going to like you know is a dark horse to go all the way. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you like? You know, <laughs> why them and and not the Blazers? I mean, and I understand it, but I so I get more worked about worked up about teams like that than teams like the Lakers, who are just like they're like a force of nature. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't deny that they exist. (laughs) (laughs) I I try not to get, I try not to get upset about what, you know, ESPN says are the top eight teams. Mm -hmm. Cause there's no way that they watch the Blazers the way we watch the Blazers. So they don't know the intricacies of our team. So it's like, why are we, why am I trying to waste my attention on, Ooh, we got disrespected by the ESPN saying we're not a top eight team. All right. Well, Hopefully Dame and CJ see that. I don't need to waste my my time on getting offended by this. They'll see by the end of the year who's in the top eight. Yeah, I'm getting more and more like that. I'm learning to kind of just let it roll off my back uh, mm-hmm. because it, you're right. It, it doesn't matter. It, mm-hmm. it it just doesn't. Like we have so many things we have to think about in the day. I can't I can't <laughs> worry that ESPN doesn't like us the way I like us. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I was really worked up earlier this uh well, it seems like earlier in the off season, but really it was probably last week mm. <laughs> about John Hollinger um putting Hassan Whiteside in the highest tier of centers saying that he was going to make 17 million dollars. I could not get over that cuz bless Hassan Whiteside. Mm. I did not think that it was likely that he would be bringing home 17 million dollars mm. a year. Yeah, yeah. And this I, is from somebody who likes like gets paid to talk about this stuff. I'm just happy that he got a a a, mm-hmm. a place to play. I mean, he he produced for us. Hassan Whiteside will always be my guy because in my when I when I was more youthful, oh, for fantasy. And, <laughs> yes, when I was more youthful and only did stupid stuff. I played Hassan Whiteside in a game where he got 10 blocks and I own, I was like one of the only people to have him. So I made money. So I was like, Hassan's always my dude. So <laughs> okay. I will always have good thoughts about him. So <laughs> I'm happy that he got another job and hopefully he can show out in a different situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am too. I was getting worried there. It's always, uh, you, it's you hate tough. to see somebody fall out of the league. It's tough for big men to get mo- like, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Not many people are shelling out 15 mil for bigs. Yeah. And if they are, they're in a really bad situation. So <laughs> I'm, I, I'm happy that he got his deal and hope he does well. He, he definitely produced for us when no one else could feasibly do so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up on good wishes for a, uh, for a happy Hassan Whiteside in Sacramento. Absolutely. I hope he does really well, but when he goes against the Blazers, he doesn't. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> twice in the preseason. <laughs> we'll say Are we just... only going to see him twice this year? Well, no, just in the preseason. We're playing oh. Sacramento twice and we're playing Denver twice, I think. Oh yeah. Okay. That just so came we'll see him off potentially the top of my five head. times. Um, 
Well, Maybe Sacramento, six? no, Sacramento's in the West, so we'll see him three times. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know the whole schedule yeah. and all of the, the rules about it, but. Yeah, I believe they're playing everybody in their conference three times. Uh, I hope he does well and I'll, I'll play him when no one else is playing him and hope to God he does well. <laughs> if not three times, it's two times. Yeah. Well, Sage, it's been really fun talking to you. You did not do what you were supposed to do by helping me grounding my expectations. But, I also you know what? That's fine. <laughs> you can get a, get a, someone who's really negative about the team on the show to talk about how you shouldn't feel this way about the team that you spent all this time thinking about. I, I I'm very happy about the off season, so I, yeah. I'll let you cook. I think I will. I think I, I think I will just continue to to just be happy about it. And mm-hmm. uh, being happy is awesome. You know, there's just I love young players. I love new players that you get mm-hmm. to know. And then after like like I talked to uh, a woman named Jill Ed Adge from Sacramento about Harry mm-hmm. Giles, and I. I basically like turned on the recorder and she talked for 30 minutes about like all the great things that Mm -hmm. like that they love about him in Sacramento Mm -hmm. from on the court, off the court, you know, everything that he's overcome, his attitude and everything. So I love new, young, fun players to get to know, even if they're on the bench the whole time. Like Mm -hmm. once they come to Portland, I've adopted them. <laughs> They're my kids and I and I want what's best for them until they move on and then I and then I want them to succeed when they move on as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh thank you so much for joining me tonight. Why don't you tell folks how they can find you and Holy Backboard? So we have a show called Holy Backboard and we are available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast. We are on internet radio Tuesdays, 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific, 4 to 5 Eastern on Dash Radio, nothing but net radio. And we have a blog called uh, holybackboard.com. It's been a little while since we've wrote anything, but if you wanted to learn about any of the draft picks in the last draft class, we have a (laughs) (laughs) 6,000-word deep dive on each prospect. So uh, check us out. And... uh, Holy Backboard is the podcast. So yeah, thank I've, you so much for having me. I've been listening to that for a long time. I love listening to you guys. It's awesome. Oh, and before we go, I wanted to also talk about something that is not basketball related. But this summer, you uh, helped produce the Multicultural oh. Festival. Yes, I did. Tell me about that because that was like one of the happiest things that I got to watch over the summer. It was the – go ahead. Tell people a little bit about it, so, why um, they should care. Um, each year, Medford, Oregon has a multicultural festival, and uh, it's the 25th year that we've been doing it. My mom has been an organizer for many, many years, and when I lived in Medford, I was an organizer, and since COVID happened – we had to figure out a way to do it and do it virtually so people can still learn about other cultures and uh but do it safely in their own homes so on September 25th we hosted the first virtual fair we had 6 hours of entertainment about other cultures services that are available for people in southern oregon and it was a really nice day of cultural diversity and it was a lot of work. I edited every single video, but you know, it was 
really worth it. And it is available on YouTube in its entirety. So, uh, check it out. Holy, um, not holy backboard, but Medford <laughs> Multicultural Fair, uh, on YouTube and, uh, check it out. And we are on Facebook. So if you wanted to connect with us, we are, uh, there and, uh, we'll probably be doing it again next year virtually if, uh, things go the, the way they are. So, uh, I'll have another job to do. So it was a really great experience and thank you so much for watching. I enjoyed it so much. It was on, it was just during one of the weeks of the pandemic that was like really rough. It was not long after the wildfires. I think mm-hmm. that there was going to be like a big, scary rally of people whose political opinions are way different from mine mm-hmm. in town. And I was like, you know, I don't want to know anything about that. I am just going to turn this on and I just had it on all day and it was just so great. And so I just wanted to thank you for, for putting that together. (laughs) Thank you. It it was, it was a lot of work, but it was super worth it. Like I learned a lot and developed some skills in video editing. So. Well, and I, I I learned a lot about like some of the different cultures down, you know, of people who live, who are living down in uh, Southern Oregon, you know, Mm -hmm. and we don't talk a lot about diversity in Southern Oregon, but you know, people from different cultures were coming out and sharing their stories, Mm -hmm. their songs, their art. It was super cool. Yeah. I mean, Oregon isn't very diverse in general, but people of people of different cultures are very passionate about the cultures that they are they're from and it, being able to give a platform for people to be passionate about who they are is a really was a real big thing for me in this uh in this for the fair i really wanted it to be more of a we as oregon but Medford people of Southern Oregon were just giving us so much content that I didn't, I wasn't able to reach out just because there was so much passion from the community. That's great. Well, you can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. You can find the, we have a take podcast at we have a take and big exciting news. We just today got our iTunes subscription or our iTunes feed. So you can now go on and subscribe. So if you're listening to this, you should rush to iTunes to see if you can become like one of the first people to sign up to follow. We have a take uh, so that you can get all our episodes as soon as they drop. We're also on Spotify. Um, for Sage, for Dylan Sage of Holy Backboard and myself. And next week we'll have Cassidy back. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone.